I think we finished up last week, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Now that I look at it, I don't know. We've got through verse 4, right? So we we made great headway last week for four verses, right? So we'll see. And I don't want to rush it right here at the end either, so... So let's go ahead and jump on in. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, picking up on verse 5. says, also they are afraid. Well, you know what? Before we do that, let's, I'm not going to go through each verse, but if you remember last week, verse 12, we had good discussions about what each of these verses mean. He starts off in verse 12 talking about, remember your, creators and your creator in the days of your youth, which we talked about the youth could be, a teenager, it could be 20, 30, 40, 50. You know, your youth is obviously the older you get, the higher that number starts going. It's what you consider youth. But bottom line is remember the Lord before it's too late, before your life is over here on this earth, and then, you know, there's no time for anything at that point. It's over. And then he goes through the next, you know, several verses that we looked at, uh, one through four, and he kind of made a comparison of the different things as we see people or as we go through life and the older we get, how he relates certain things to certain parts of our, our body, I guess you could say, our eyesight, our memory, uh, just the way we move and get around and our hair and everything seems to, you know, get, get grayer or fall out or just starts to deteriorate a little bit, which it makes sense, you know, as we're going to. See, tonight, the older we get, obviously, you know, man's going to die one day. And the older we get, the closer we get to that. And the closer we get to the earth as our, our flesh is going to return back to the earth, right? So, and there's a lot of examples of that and the way we looked at things last week as far as our, our teeth and just hearing and, like I said, the eyesight and whatever. So, it's, we're picking up tonight in verse 5 kind of picking up where where we left off, talking about the same person as they're going through life and as they're getting older and how it relates to certain things. And then he starts off in verse 5, and he says, um, they also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Okay, so right there when he's talking about, and they're, uh, also they're afraid of height, you remember last week a lot of things were talking more of like in a uh, figurative type language where it was referencing something, but here I, I believe it, it takes a second, and this is more or less a literal statement type here about being afraid of heights. And I know... Years and years ago, when I was a teenager, I used to work for the cable company, and I would, I would run up a ladder or put the hooks on Roger, and like you know, scale a, a pole with them hooks with the belt and stuff, and I would just run right up it. But I know now, I'm not like I was when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. Now I'm making sure that ladder's good and firm and steady and whatever, and then you take the steps and you're a little more cautious. So, you know, the older you get. I believe the more you're afraid of heights, you're a little more cautious, or maybe you're a little more wiser. You know, you know what, what can happen if you fall, or when you're young, you just run up it and you really don't think about it. 
So I can see that as being afraid of height. And if terror is in the way, anybody want to take a stab at what they think that might mean? And I agree 100%. I know, and my mom was here, I'd say the same thing. But I, the older she's getting, the more she's starting to fall, and it's really starting to worry me because she walks her dog, and that dog is crazy and strong, but it'll pull her, and she'll lose her balance and fall. And it worries us because she's out in the middle of nowhere when she falls. And I always think about Kurt. Y'all remember Kurt Austin? The older he got, you know, he, this is, you know, you, you're, you're walking – because he wasn't sure he, he could do it, but he would tell you he didn't have the confidence to walk. So that's why he would, he would shuffle, because he didn't have the confidence anymore. Yep. No, and that's another thing that I was going to mention besides that. You're right. You, you don't feel like you can, like you said, if you go out and you get approached by somebody, you don't feel like you can defend yourself. You're maybe a little more shy or not. It's confident, like when you used to could just, all right, buddy, come on, you know, now. Yep. And they take advantage of you. They know that, you know, they could probably overpower a lot of people at that point, and they take advantage of you. So I agree with that, too. You know, you're, you're not quite as defensive as you used to could be. So yeah, that's right. You become wiser, and you realize how dangerous it really is. And when you're younger, you really don't see the danger. Because you think you can whoop it if it comes on you. So, all right, good comments. And then the next one I kind of like because I like growing things, uh, plants and trees. But it says, when the almond tree blossoms. Um, and I, I don't have an almond tree, but I kind of looked up a little things about it. And, of course, it's like most trees, um, you know, the different stages it has. Where it says the almond tree first grows a light pink blossom on it a nice flower, but that blossom and that flower is going to turn snow white, and then what do you think it does as it gets a little age on it? It's going to fall to the ground and land on the ground, uh, you know, which is, to me, a pretty good representation. Um, you know, like our hair, mine, mine's turning white, and it's falling out, so I'm kind of double trouble there. So that one's pretty easy to kind of kind of see there. Now, the next one is kind of interesting, some of the stuff I found, and I'm kind of curious to see, what do you think the grasshopper is? The grasshopper is a burden. Yep, kind of the walking, the way, and I, you know, I saw several, Mike, did you see, find anything on that? Did you? Yeah, so from what, the best I could tell, like Jim said, the older you get, maybe you start your walk, your posture's a little different, and there was even one reference that I read that, how maybe even start looking like a grasshopper, the way you're hunched over and the way your legs buckle and your arms and your back and the way you look down and stuff kind of represents a grasshopper. And then another one's like, well, you know, that grasshopper becomes at that point like a grass limper. You're not so much a grasshopper anymore. You're a grass limper uh, the older that you get. Uh, just the way they were referring, the way you start to look maybe more like a grasshopper. But I think, like Jim said, it's more probably the way you start walking and just the way you, you carry yourself and you're not as strong as you used to be, you know. And then it says, and desire fails. And desires fail. What I found out on that, and there was some reference, is it the Capraberry? But it's, yeah, and that's what I'm telling you. That, 
Me and Mike were talking about that last week. When you go online and look at stuff, you got to kind of find a happy medium a lot of times because you got guys over here and you got guys over there, and you got to figure out what you think. Because some of this is just left, you know, wide open to you know to make the best you can out of it. Um, but as far as desire fails, it, it talks about it could be anything that's considered a stimulant, um, and it could be your appetite. It could be any desire that you have as a youth, you know, the older you get, that desire isn't quite, quite the way it used to be. Um, you know, like I said, through your, through your eating or whatever desires you had younger days in life may not be quite the way it was. Karen? Somebody mentioned that last week. I can't remember who that was, that somebody in their family mentioned that, that you get to a certain age and they wonder, why am I still here? Why am I still alive? What good am I, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that, but there's a reason, you know, that's what we talked about, there's always a reason, so, and then it says, for man goes to his, to his eternal home, okay, that's pretty easy, right, uh, does somebody want to read real quick, though, while we're there, John 14, 1 through 6, everybody's very familiar with it, but let's just read that, because we know we're all just passing through, you know, here under the sun, and this definitely it in our home. We have an eternal home that we're that we're working towards. But somebody wants to read. It's pretty easy to read. John fourteen one through six. So there you go. So we know obviously that this we're just passing through. This isn't where we're meant to be. This isn't where we're going to stay. Uh, there's be- bigger and better things coming, and we just got to make sure you know we're on the right track, and that's the direction that we're headed in. Um, and then it says, and the mourners go about the streets. And Jim, correct me if I'm, you know, whatever here, but it, it seems from what I could tell too, so back in the day, there would be like whalers that would go out in the streets that would mourn for people. And I even saw something where that was almost like a paid position for some people. I guess you would be a professional whaler in the streets for people uh, that are approaching death or whatnot. All right, let's go on to verse 6 here. I thought this was kind of interesting too here because going back to verse 1, it says, again, it says, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. And this has kind of been added in there. If you see, it's probably, you know, different font there, italicized for you. It says, remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed. So I think they put that in there. It's kind of going along the same lines. But, you know, it says, remember now you're created in the days of your youth, and then it kind of separates it here to a kind of going into this different section where it says, now remember your creator before the silver cord is loose. I get, well, let's go ahead and let me finish. Or the golden bowl is broken, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. So these got some pretty interesting, I guess, resemblances, but... To them, from what I could tell, uh, the silver cord almost went along with the golden bowl, um, which could almost represent, from what I could tell, again, I don't know, you know, bear with me if I try to do the best I could on the research on some of this stuff, but it's saying the, the, the cord being loosed and the bowl being broken is speaking of life, uh, of man being poured out, so to speak. 
uh, when your life is over and whatnot. But the silver cord and the golden bowl represent the lamp. It's from what I could tell, and Jim, again, if you know different, from the ceiling of maybe the, it says of Oriental or Near Eastern homes, the cord is intertwined with the silver, and the lamp itself could be made of gold. Uh, but it says nothing was really intended beyond the fact that like silver and gold uh, is valuable and much to be desired. Uh, but it's to show that light, the light of it, which represents our life, um, which we're going to see in a minute as far as uh, being at the well, once that core breaks and that light or that lamp hits the ground and shatters, you know, just like our life, you know, pretty much lights out at that point. So it's just representing how precious gold and silver is, just, just like you could say our life. But once it's broke and ended, you know, it's the life's over, just like that, that lamp is going to shatter uh, and, you know, not be worth nothing at that point. Yeah, and that's exactly where we're going with the, uh, or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well. That's exactly what Jim just said. What good is a broken pitcher when you're trying to get well? You know, it's not going to hold water. And then I looked at the cistern that it refers to um, at the well, which is kind of, there's several things it can refer to, but I guess probably the best thing back then would be more like a man-made type well or holding area, like a hole in the ground where the water would be. And you can imagine, like a well, you would have a system where you would dip the well, you know, dip the water out or whatever, and if that was to break and fall into the well, well, you can't get water out no more, right? There's no way. It, well, 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 you can't. It, a well that you can't get water out of. But, Mike, did you? Yeah. Well, and it, yeah, and you're right. I mean, it's going on from... Like we talked about the light and the lamp, how it shatters, it represents our life. You know, it's going to age and the cord's going to snap and it's going to fall and break just like, you know, lights out like we said, just like our life's going to be. No, I agree. And even Mike, didn't you say last week, there's some folks that believe this has nothing to do with the body whatsoever. I don't know how you get around that when you start reading through it, but yeah. And that makes you think, too, when you were saying that, Jeff, there's so many people, I think, that live life like that. Well, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and this, and when I'm done doing all this, then I'll straighten up and do what's right and follow God. But if you remember what it says here, remember God from your youth. You know, there's something to be said about doing what's right from the beginning because, as you and Karen said, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. I mean, you may not have tomorrow to get things straight and start doing what's right, so... Remember God from your youth, and it'll take care of all the, all the rest of it. You know, so good point. So, <clears throat> and I've got written down here the old saying: "Growing old isn't for sissies." That's that's true. I had somebody tell me that the other day too. I can't. I think it was somebody in here that. Uh, what, that's what they called me. So, because they knew I was growing old, but they were older than me, so I didn't take it personal. I assume they were talking about their self when they said growing old isn't for sissies. But I will remember that. Uh, but I think a lot of these verses prove that, you know. And I also saw, too, where they, they, they say that, and I don't know if you can prove this or not, but it says uh, when you're going through, like, your teenage years, that's you actually start beginning the process of old age. You're going downhill from there, so to speak, as early as a teenager. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Let me read you something else here. 
It says, according to an old fable, a man made an unusual agreement with death. He told the grim reaper that he would willingly accompany him when it came time to die, but only on one condition, that death would send a messenger well in advance to warn him. Well, weeks turned into months and months into years. Then one bitter evening, winter evening, as the man sat thinking about all his possessions, death suddenly entered the room and tapped him on the shoulder. Startled, the man cried out, You're here so soon and without a warning? I thought we had an agreement. Death replied, I've more than kept my part. I've sent you many messengers. Look in the mirror and you'll see some of them. As the man complied, death whispered, Notice your hair? Once it was full and black, now it is thin and white. Look at the way you cock your head to the side when you just listen to me because you can't hear very well. Observe how close to the mirror you must stand to see yourself clearly. Yes, I've sent many messengers through the years, and I'm sorry you're not ready, but the time has come to leave. But I thought that was a pretty neat little story about all the different signs that, hey, I gave you plenty of signs through the years. Just look in the mirror and you'll see. So, well, let's keep on going. Verse 7. We're on verse 7, Cheryl. Ecclesiastes, by the way. Chapter 12, verse 7. This should be another pretty easy one. Oh, I'm sorry, Flo. Yep. And the funny thing is, as we end up the chapter, we're going to see how it's important what you do throughout your life, because we're going to give account for it, everything, and we're going to read that, so good point, good point. All right, so verse 7, I think, again, it's going to be one of those that, not much explanation here, it says, then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Uh, again, I, I think we get that, right? I mean, we're we're all been around long enough to know what that means but i got a few verses i'd like to to read genesis three nineteen says in the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return unto the ground for out of it wast thou taken from dust thou art and to dust shalt thou return so we're going to return to the to the ground genesis 2 7 says and the lord god formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And then 1 Corinthians fifteen forty four: it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. So there definitely is a difference between our natural body and our spiritual body, as we're going to see a little more as we keep going. Again, we're all knowledgeable of that, and we know that, but he's just making making a point there. And then, of course, verse 8 here. Man, have we heard this before, uh, which I think this is interesting, where he chose to put it at again, right? To me, I think. So, well, it says, verse 8, Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. Like I said, he started that way. He said it so many times throughout the chapter. It's almost like now he's, you know, we, we've gone through all of this. We've talked about he's done this, he's done that. He's made all these examples. And it's like he's finishing it up and like one last time saying, again, I'm telling y'all again, all this is vanity. Vanity of vanities. Like 
is that, yep, yep, I've done all I can, I've done, you name it, I've done it, I've tried to explain it to y'all, I've said it the best way I could, I've, I've did this and I've done that, again, I'm telling you, uh, everything is vanity, he says, and he says, says the preacher, all is vanity, which I think that's interesting too, uh, how he referred, calls himself the preacher, which he's done that before, but he's done it a couple of times here recently, and he's going to do it even more uh, the more we go through these last few verses. Why would you think all of a sudden, or, or why would anybody, I guess you would say, call themselves by a title? What could that, what could that mean, or what do you think he's trying to convey there? Huh? Authority. There you go. I mean, that that's what I think about when I start seeing all of a sudden he refers himself as the preacher, and then a few couple of verses later, the next verse, the preacher. He's like authority. You know, it's like, you know, I'm the president of the United States. You're like, whoa, you're going to listen. You know, he's going back to what we said a minute ago. I've done all this. I've lived through this. I've tried this. I'm the, the wisest man on the face of the earth. If it's been done, I've done it. Listen to me, the, you know, the preacher. I'm telling you the truth, you know, what I'm saying. Listen up. Mike, did you? If there's anybody listen to, it's me. Listen to the preacher, you know. So, and it kind of like I was thinking, too, as far as like in the medical field, like if you're a doctor, you have your PhD, it's kind of the same thing. You're going to listen if you go to the doctor and it's, listen up. I've seen this before. I've treated this. I've done my research and study. I'm well educated on it. Listen to me. I'm the doctor. Okay, you got me. You're the doctor. To me, that's kind of what he's saying. Hello? And they should. They should be, you know, they, they've read ahead. They, I'm sure Karen and Jeremy and Jeb, all the teachers, they've, they've got to know more than, you know, so they can teach their students at school because they're coming to school to learn what they have to tell them. So it's kind of the same thing. Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. You know, I'm, I'm a very wise person, so. So I thought that's a kind of a short verse, and we read it a bunch of different times, but I think it had a, a, a different meaning right here of where it's at and what he's saying and the way he refers to himself um, as the preacher. All right, in verse 9 it says, And moreover, because the preacher, okay, there's the preacher again, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge, Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. So what is that kind of saying in a nutshell? Yeah, and I think I look at that and see it as how wise he was, but he was also so concerned to teach that to other people. He was very wise and had all this knowledge, but he shared it with everybody else. He wanted everybody else to know, too, what's what right and what's wrong and how to, how to live their life and what was important and what's not important. Yeah, no, well put. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think another, what's cool about that too is how wise he was and how smart he was and how many people he taught through the years. He was re well respected. A lot of people looked up to Solomon. He was, everybody knew who Solomon was. If you were living back then, you knew who he was and how wise he was. And I'm sure people learned so much from him. But I think what's cool for us today, we're still learning. We're still learning from that man. The stuff that he did so long ago, we're still today reaping the benefit of that. 
if we'll just read it and listen to it. And just to remind you, oh, by the way, 1 Kings 4.32 says, to Jim's point, he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were uh, 1,005. I know we've talked about that months ago, but I thought I'd remind you just how smart and how wise this man was and all the different proverbs that he wrote and the songs that he wrote. So you talk, we're talking about a very, very wise and knowledgeable person here, and I think he wanted to, to teach that to others. He wanted people to know about it. And if you, there's anybody that you could trust, um, he would be your guy, which we're going in verse 10, I think, kind of explains that a little bit better uh, to that point. Well, let's read verse 10. The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright words of truth. I think that's pretty much what I just said. He had credentials. He wanted to make sure what he said and wrote was right on the money and correct, uh, which we know it is. I mean, it's, you know, we have it in our Bibles to read. We know where, where he got his wisdom from. You know, let's don't forget that. He didn't just read books and was taught in the classroom. Where did he get all his wisdom from? <laughs> yeah, he got it from God. I mean, he... And we can't forget about that either. Uh, you know, when we hear him and we see this and read this, this wisdom came from God. So more than, you know, just as much as these people, we, we need to listen to it as well and hear what he has to say. Yeah. And honestly, after reading this book, I would agree with that. I don't know how you can read this book. I know I've told you all this a hundred times. This is absolutely one of my favorite books of the Bible. But, man, he did a great job from start to finish with all the things that he did and tried and the way he documented it and the way he, you know, presented it, is presented to us through the Bible, it's incredible. But isn't that the beautiful thing about it too, though? The wisest man that ever lived still messed up, still made mistakes. So to me, that's a little bit comforting in a way because I know I'm going to mess up, I'm going to make mistakes, and I'm going to fall short. So that kind of makes me feel a little better knowing the wisest man that ever lived that got all this wisdom straight from God, he still made mistakes and he still fell short. So that ought to give us comfort, you know, when we go through our Christian lives to do the best we can, obviously, but sometimes you're still going to stumble. You're going to, we're going to trip, you know, because we're not perfect. Good comments. I like that. All right, let's go to verse... What, 11? Actually, before I do that, I want to read. I about missed on my notes here. I'm going to read 1 Kings uh, 4, 29, and a couple verses after, just to remind us to the point we just talked about. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart like the sand on the seashore. That's a lot, y'all. Thus Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the men of the east, and all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than all men. And I'm going to skip a few names there, okay? He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. Also, he spoke of trees from the cedars of Lebanon, even uh, to the springs out of the wall. He spoke also of animals, birds, creeping things, and of fish. 
and men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who, who heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So like we said a minute ago, everybody knew who this man was. Uh, but as we mentioned too, his wisdom wasn't of this world either. It wasn't the earthly wisdom that all those people that he was speaking to, we know his gift was from God. His wisdom was from God. That was the difference. All right, verse 11. <clears throat> the words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. All right, let's talk about that real quick. What do you think that's talking about? Or let me ask you this. Is, you know, talking about the words of the wise men, um, you know, that's going to guide as we're going to see, really, the teacher and his audience, you know, to keep us on the road of the right, you know, the right way or right right behavior or whatever you want to call it. But what is a goad? But not, I was going to say not Jim. I was going to say anybody but Jim. <laughs> I, no, no, I was just because I knew you would know. Anybody know what a goad is? A sharp object probe something you probably got one for roger at home prod that's right so it'd be like a long a long stick i saw where some it could be wood and i saw where some maybe had even like a steel point on the end of it i guess it was filed down or what but yeah just like a, a something to move the cattle along the sheep or the herd or whatever just to prod at them a little bit and and then it talks about um the nails uh, like well-driven nails. What do you think that's talking about? I mean, what, what would, how can you relate that? Kind of like the, the goad as far as keeping things on track. I mean, they both got a purpose here, and they're both relating to the lifestyle maybe of a shepherd that he would use in his life, but then they relate to a bigger story about our own lives and how we're some, prodded back into line from time to time. But what do you think the nails would be referring to? Yep, just like if you were going to use a nail to hold a tent together or, or nail a board in place or or whatever, you're right. You hammer things and they're going to, you fasten them together or they stay in place and hold firm uh, to keep something from drifting. Like, like wisdom nails down to truth. There you go. I like that. So as you can see, the goad and the nail is how they kind of relate to life with us, too. You know, we get off track a lot of times, need a little prod in the right direction to get back on track. And then, of course, the nails being how we can nail down um, to stay in place, to stand firm where you're at and, and not drift off, you know, from side to side or whatnot. Man, we got close. All right, we're going to stop there, apparently. So I didn't realize. Sorry, y'all. Thank you. <laughs>